Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. Simon and I rounded off a busy week by chatting to ex-England defender Gary Cahill about the fortunes of his former club Chelsea, as well as debating between ourselves the future of Manchester United striker Mason Greenwood. But first, we started by looking ahead to Manchester City's final challenge in their quest for an historic treble. To say the least of it, we'll do well to top yesterday, but we'll give it a go. Well, the old force of nature, Russell Brand. What did you make of that? Well, he's a character. Listen, you know what he is? is um, he's an A-lister, isn't he? He's also a movie star and an improv genius. So when you're set across a table from somebody that has that in their locker, it's always a challenge to keep up with them, isn't it? <laughs> or to even follow what they're saying, because well, I'm not entirely sure they are I mean, following it. it. But he's very good, Russell. Very good company and very engaging, isn't he? Very much so. Uh, it was entertaining to say the least. Uh, our interview with David Sullivan at West Ham went everywhere because he opened up on such matters as David Moyes' future and Declan Rice's future <laughs> and where that might be. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, old West Ham man Danny Dyer was on drive later on. Now, you had had a tilt at him earlier on. What was it you said yesterday? It was kind of lost in me in the middle of it all yesterday. What no, you- it was the other day. And, you know, sometimes I sit in here and I forget that I've got this microphone in front of me. There's a million <laughs> people listening to it. And I just say these sort of things that are moderately indiscreet. <laughs> but I had said a while ago that Danny Dyer, which is a matter of fact, um, was playing for a team in the Soccer Sixes that was under my auspice. And he turned up with Tamar Hassan. He wasn't a very... And I've been a bit unfair because he isn't the worst football I've ever seen. Nick Moran has that moniker. Yep. And if you've seen Boris Johnson playing the soccer sixes, it's a really unfair thing for me to say. He's said, the worst ever. He's the worst footballer uh, that, ever, that God ever put a breath into. But the fact of the matter is, is it's rattled Danny's cage. Oh, it didn't have. So uh, he's had a little swipe back at me. Well, yeah. So Danny Dyer, mindful of this, was on drive and he had to pop back. It's interesting with Simon because a couple of people sent me this thing. He's, he's dug me out. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's the matter with him. Um, I think, what happened? Explain to everyone what well, happened. No, uh, someone sent me this thing where he said I'm the worst footballer that uh, God ever uh, put breath into or something. And then he went on to tell this story about how I played for his team once in Soccer 6. And I thought, well, I've never met you. So that's interesting. Uh, and then he went on to call me the poor man's Ray Winston, which I'll take. So I'm a bit confused with him, really, because, um, you know, he says some stuff I you know, quite agree with. But, um, you know, I don't like snobs, and 
and he's the worst kind of snob because he forgot where he came from. Um, uh, and on that note, I shall probably leave it there, you know. Okay. Cause, um, well, I'm scared so now. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, did, no, no it's interesting. It's interesting. He had a little rant about me and a few people. Why, why is he picking on you? I don't know, Don. Oh, he's, he's an angry man, isn't he? <laughs> an angry man. So you've got to give context to this, right? Because it's out of context. And I realise that perhaps Danny isn't programmed for questions, but it's out of context. <laughs> and the context was you brought up who was playing in, so in the soccer aid. And then someone brought up the name Danny Dyer in a conversation we were having the other day. I said, oh, he's a useless footballer. No, he's right. It's a really unfair analysis. Mm. He isn't the worst football I ever saw. But the problem is with me is I can't... I hate being called a liar, right? Now, the fact of the matter is it's an absolute cast-iron, copper-bottom fact. I've just played the message from the guy that runs Soccer Sixes that recounted the story of Danny Dyer to yeah. Luke outside. Yeah. Him and Tama, who I very much like, and I didn't at the time turned up after some grubby little PA with horrible shriveled up five pound notes falling out of their pockets giving it oh, we'll be in the team now shall we right? and I was like no you won't be in the team and in fact you're useless you can sit on the bench and we'll go down to five players and even then you're not playing yeah. and he used to come into my restaurant in, um, in Mayfair on Warwick Street with a guy called Andy Loveday who made all these films Rise of the Foot Soldier and those sort of stuff and I didn't much like him so I threw him out of the restaurant, and then years later you threw Danny Dyer out of your restaurant and years later and it, none of this, did you nothing, deserve that I just didn't want him wandering around my restaurant with certain people. Um, and years later, someone told me that um, he'd done this TV show called Britain's Hardest Men or something and put this blonde wig on yeah. uh, and gone onto doors going, I'm Simon Jordan, I want to come in on camera. So <laughs> there you are. I've, I've compounded the indiscreetness of it of all. Yeah. But listen, I, I, Danny Dyer, he's a brilliant actor in his own way. Ironically, Danny Dyer. Ironically, Howard Pinter, this brilliant uh, playwright who was, uh, Danny was his protégé, described him as the best actor that he'd ever had. So whilst I poke a little fun at Danny Dyer, and mm. I do think he's a, a poor man's Ray Winston, yeah. but, but... Kevin Bridges has got his own view on Danny Dyer. Uh, listen, have you forgotten where you came from then? Is that true? Well, You've forgotten so, your roots? What, what, because I've tried to expand my dictionary, made a few quid, lost a few quid, bought the team that my dad played for that I lived 100 yards away from, and South London to my core. Yeah. That means I've, that means I've forgotten where I've come from. Yeah, yeah. I think Danny's forgotten where he's been. <laughs> this is true. This is true. We haven't forgotten the fact that it's a massive weekend. Uh, it's a quiet massive before... Massive the operative word. West Ham, massive. Everything West Ham. West Ham, West Ham, West Ham. And more West Ham. It's a quiet before the storm in Istanbul. No West Ham at this one. It's Manchester City taking on Inter Milan in the Champions League final tomorrow night. It's live and talk sport. Well, um, have a look at various aspects of this in a second. This is Pep going into it. Some people want, some people don't. Friends of us or club like we are sympathetic. I'm pretty sure they want it, and other clubs they don't want it at all. So, but it's normal, so it's not a, a problem. We have to play a game. It's the last game of the season, so the team who's going to win will be the crown. So we'll be champion, and it's about what we have to do to beat uh, Inter de Milan. This is the the point, and after the consequences, uh, we'll see. Now then, while you're on walkabout, let, let's have a, a listen to what uh, Pep was saying there because obviously the enormity of the situation is far from lost on him. Um, if, they, if they don't go on to secure the sacred treble, which is very much on offer, Simon, yes, would it be wrong for anybody out there to label City a failure in any shape or form this season? No, you can't label them a failure, but you can accuse them of missing a huge opportunity to slay a particular dragon because that dragon keeps on breathing fire on them, which is the idea that they can't win the Champions League. They are the best team in world football. 
not the best club, the best team in world football. And with that in mind, they've got a side that if Manchester City turn up and play like Manchester City can and should, they will win this Champions League. Yeah. So it's about Man Agreed. City. To, listen, Inter Milan aren't just there to be shot at. No, no. But the bottom line is Man City are a better side than Inter Milan. So if that's got, that's got to manifest itself in Pep Guardiola, people will say not overthinking it, overcomplicating it. But the group of players that are on that pitch know all the tasks that's in front of them. They'll be set up in a certain way by Guardiola. And I fully, fully expect them to win this game. Yeah, me too. So it can't be... It would be mean-spirited and disingenuous for any little wag to pop up and suggest that failure is the word that would be attached. Yeah. But it will be a failing because the failing to win the Champions League when you're in the box seat against a side that on paper and off paper you are far better than them. Right. And you will have stolen defeat from the jaws of victory. I get you. No failure, but a failing. I get it. If Manchester City follow United and completing the, the, the trio, completing the treble, does it not go to show that Manchester nowadays is the true home of football in this country? Well, Manchester, ironically, for for one for this particular uh, economic scenario, is the where the money is. Chelsea are are where the money's being spent badly right now, and that will change. But Manchester City, with their ownership structure and now their achievements fueling their outcomes and mm. not needing really Mansoor to prop it up anymore, and Manchester United's ability to generate cash in a certain way that no other football club has been able to do gives them the economic might. Um, and then, of course, that that coupled with the fact that they've got in Pep Guardiola the best coach in the world right now. Yeah. All of those things give you this cyclical moment in time. But that's that, a yes, isn't it? That's well, it's, a yes. It's, it's a yes right now. It's, yeah. a, it's today. Yeah. Today, yes. But that doesn't mean tomorrow and next year that there's not going to be a changing of the order. It's difficult to see that because Chelsea have got to come from such a far position and I think Arsenal have got to do a lot to maintain where they are. Um, and that's no disrespect to Arsenal. I think if they've signed the Declan Rices of the world and they add some additional centre-backs in there that give them depth of squad and, and a goal scorer that can score them 25 goals, which are, all of these things are like, well, everyone needs those, will give Arsenal a chance to maintain where they are and maybe even push on to a different level. But yes, the argument, tragically for us in the South, yeah. is the home of achievement right now is in Manchester because... Everything's going to them. What hasn't gone to them? I mean, what, but, Man United have won the League Cup. But I Man think City won the FA thing. Cup, the Premier League, and now back to win the European Championship. It get, uh, sorry, it get, European it, Cup. It gets your goat. The, the focus of attention is not in the club or clubs in the south. No, but it's in the it's on two no, clubs it in the north. Why it, is that? I don't understand. It that. Doesn't, it doesn't get my goat. Yeah, it does. No, 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 it doesn't. I'm not in the camp of a north-south divide. I've got a northern girlfriend. I don't have that <laughs> mentality. Obviously, my son was born up in the north, which did upset me. Um, but notwithstanding that, I'm a southerner. I'm, you know, I'm. My vested interest is in the south of England. That doesn't mean I don't appreciate and value the beauty of Man City's football. I'm regularly the first one out of the gates to turn around and say the biggest club in world football is whom? Manchester United. Mm, mm. That's not the shtick mm. of a dyed-in-the-wall southerner that can't see past the King's Road. Before before we go any further, just before we get to the break, we'll carry on the, the, the talk of City and Istanbul when we come back. Were you surprised at how open David Sullivan was with the two of us yesterday? No. He, he, no. You know, he opened up on this show. It went everywhere. Even the Premier League tweeted it. West Ham chairman David no. Sullivan's issued an update on Declan Rice's future. Well, well, I think it was... I mean, look, I, why would anyone... I think there's, there's more space for people to be forthright. In yeah. this business, people aren't forthright. I think there's something wrong with not being forthright. And David was forthright. You asked him a question. What did he do? Mm. He gave you an answer. Exactly. And now people are going to turn around and say, you shouldn't have given that answer. Oh, okay, fine. Well, he can't, the fella can't win, can he? Yeah, yeah. And he was being honest about it. 
Look, I mean, his motivations were doing. I don't think his motivations behind it are for the well-being of anybody else besides David and, and West Ham. Fair enough. But, his that, club. but that's his club. One hundred percent engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Now then, Simon, soccer aid. Were you ever involved in soccer aid in the past, Simon? I was not. No, I would have thought you, mind you, when you were at Palace, you were a busy man. I was. Um, soccer aid 2023 takes place this Sunday at Old Trafford. Some stellar names taking part. It's an England versus uh, a, a World Eleven. Um, and that the World Eleven. I'm just looking at some of the names in it. Batistuta, incredible. Francesco Totti, Roberto Carlos, Patrice Evra. But... I can tell you the England team is pretty star-studded as well with the likes of Paul Scholes, Jack Wilshire and Gary Cahill. Gary Cahill joins us live in the show this morning, former Chelsea defender. Gary, good morning. How are you? You okay? Good, mate, good. The last time I spoke to you, you were crouched down, if you remember, in front of the, uh, the dugout at Stamford Bridge having played your last game. Does it seem that long ago now, Gary? It seems uh, it seems a while ago now, to be honest. Yeah, obviously retired at the end of last season, so um, yeah, it seems a, a distant memory. But obviously, great memories at Stamford Bridge for me. Absolutely. I mean, seven and a half years there. You know, a terrific career. Uh, you won everything in your time at Chelsea. We'll get to that shortly. But tell us about Soccer Aid and why you specifically wanted to lend your services to this. First of all, obviously, I was asked to do it, and I think it was a privilege to be asked. So, um, yeah, I jumped at the opportunity. I think it's going to be an amazing occasion, um, a fantastic charity, great work that they do. Hopefully, we have a, a full house at Old Trafford, which will be great. Um, so, I'm very much looking forward to it. Like I said, the first one, um, we had the first training session yesterday, got to know all the, the lads. Uh, it's, a, it's a great group, and, uh, you know, everyone's here to lend their time for basically what is a fantastic charity. It's a fantastic charity, but it'll be serious stuff in the pitch because you guys take it seriously, especially, Gary, when you're coming up against the likes of uh, Francesco Totti, against Hernan Crespo, against Batistuta, who I met at the World Cup in Qatar. I mean, these are serious dudes, right? They are serious players, mate. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the competitive spirit's there in training yesterday, and, and that's not just the players. You know, that's the celebrities as well. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be tasty. There's always a certain moment in these games, isn't there? I mean, from watching in the past, a famous Boris moment. And uh, I'm sure there'll be something that, that happens in the game. But, you know, as England, I think we're underdogs. So I've heard we've always lost, lost the last four. So we're looking to try and get a win. England underdogs, you're not used to being that. Have you, have you looked at any of the celebs who may or may not do some damage on the day? What do they look like as players? I'm slightly worried uh, Usain Bolt might do some damage to my hamstrings, to be honest, mate. So <laughs> I think uh, when I look around the pitch, there's uh, a few uh, ageing players, but I seem to come up against the fastest man on the planet. So I'm not sure how deep we're going to play, but um, yeah, maybe he'll cause a few problems for me. Oh, brilliant. Some of the celebs in your group as well. Um, who's the standout? Mo Farah. I, I, I thought he's extremely enthusiastic. I don't know what he's like as a player. Uh, Simon was telling us you can write off Danny Dyer because he's never been a player. <laughs> yeah, I spoke to Mo yesterday and he's a, he's a massive football fan and he loves the game. Um, so stamina is not going to be an issue for him. Um, but we trained yesterday, like I said, and everyone looked sharp. Everyone looked energetic and enthusiastic. So, um, yeah, he's definitely looking forward to the game. Gary, you've won the Champions League. You know what the feeling is like to have done that. Um, are you hoping that Manchester City can, can put uh, that to rest tomorrow night and say, we've done it? That's the one in the bank that we wanted. 
I think that's obviously what they'll be searching for. And I think it'd be fitting, to be honest, for the season that they've had. I think the, the football that they're playing, especially of late, the last couple of months, um, the business end of the season where they seem to produce time and time again, um, it'd be fitting to get the to get the treble, wouldn't it? And um, yeah, as an English team, obviously, uh, I hope they do it. Yeah, I mean, getting the treble uh, in times like these, when the Premier League is so competitive, uh, Gary, you know, to, to win anything these days, as West Ham showed the other night, you've got to go not just the extra yard, the extra mile. I mean, if they win the three city, what does it tell us? The, the, the team that everyone thinks they are and the, the team that we've seen the last few months or the, the last few years, should we say, they're, um, they are a special outfit, you know. They've got so much experience in that squad. They've got big players who've won trophies before. In terms of ingredients in the squad, they've got everything it takes. So, But it is obviously the one that's eluded them, the one that they really want. Um, however they might, might play that down in the press, they definitely really want this. If, if he was in that squad, it's the one that's missing. Are they the best team you've ever seen, Gary, this current one? I think they're up there. I think obviously the, everyone enjoyed the Barcelona team of a few years ago, didn't they? Um, they was a very, very special side. I think they're definitely up there in European football. The way that they can adapt, the way that they can change formation, the personnel they have. You know, they've got so many options um, depending on how the game goes to bring players off the bench and to, to change the formation. Intelligent footballers, footballers that can adapt um, and a manager that, that obviously can chop and change depending on, on who they're playing and, and what's happening in the game. So, like I said, in the top of the... The program, they've got everything in terms of the ingredients that you want from a winning side. Gary, just out of curiosity, when you look back, when you're looking at Chelsea now, obviously a lot's been written about Chelsea and the change of ownership and the amount of money that's been spent. And they've had situations before in the past where they've dropped down to 10th in the league and then bounced back the following season mm -hmm. and won the Premier League. What do you think Chelsea are going to look like next year with Pochettino in charge? I think they've got a good manager in place. I think they're going to, obviously, I can't see them having the season anywhere near what they've had this this, this time around. I think um, it's been a bit of a bizarre season for Chelsea. There's been so much change. The new owners have come in. Obviously, they, ha they have a plan. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. I don't think anyone has seen the season that they have uh, been as bad as it has. Um, but I see it being much, much better. I think you just you just touched on it then. I was in the squad when we won the league and we finished 10th the next year and won the league the year after. So if you pick the bones out of that, it doesn't really make much sense, does it? Um, so I can see them rebounding. Obviously, I'm not sure to what capacity. I think the, the top four for them next year is going to be their aim first and foremost. And then, um, yeah, go from there. But I, I think the squad is massive. Um, there's a lot of talk of it getting trimmed down. So it'd be interesting to see what decisions uh, the new manager makes. Gary, when you're in a dressing room as a player with the background noise of lots of players being brought in and a squad size, on one hand you hear managers saying they need more players, they need better players. On the other hand you say yeah, you've now got too many players. How does that, when you're in a dressing room, manifest itself inside a team being built when you've got arguably too many good players? Because I think um, it's a balance between the two and I think it's very difficult. I think, I've always said before in the past, Managers have, have got the tactics and the formations, etc. But also the man management is a vital part of it. And I think when you have a massive squad of players who, let's be honest, all feel that they're good enough to play and start, and you're having to leave big players not only on the bench but in the stand, after time it can breed a bit of kind of negativity, I feel. And that's just from my experience. You might get a few moaning groans from the people who are left out week in, week out. Um, so I think it's difficult to manage a huge squad. 
obviously from the outside you look and you see the players that they have and, and people will say, oh, well, we've got all these players to choose from. But keeping that group happy, it's part and parcel of a good team spirit, um, takes you a long way. So that's why I think they will trim it down. There's too many players there at the moment and I'm sure the manager will look at his squad and decide... And lean it down a bit. Profile, lean it down a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary, knowing Not just ability-wise, but personality-wise as well. Knowing Chelsea, as you know Chelsea, and albeit it's a different ownership model, mm. but these guys have come in and spent a lot of dough, so they're going to want to see, achieve the same things that Roman Abramovich achieved. Were you surprised that, yeah. A, they took Potter? And I'm not asking you to get into territory of being controversial, but were you surprised that they took Potter? And were you surprised at the outcome of Potter? Slightly surprised at the outcome, I think, to say they obviously, like I said before, they come in with a plan and that was the plan. And you can't, what, what Graham Potter did at Brighton was fantastic. The football that they was playing there was incredible um, to say the budget and the size of the club, etc. So it, I feel that in some stages it, it, it was difficult. He come into it at such a bad time. So much change, spoke about it before, not just the squad, medical staff, everything in the club really jumbled up with players added to it. I feel like he was kind of thrown in the mix at a bad time. So I was surprised the, the way that it did go. Um, I still think he's a, he's a great manager. Um, but it's so difficult to keep it at the level that you kind of expect straight away when you make so many changes. But ultimately, mm -hmm. Chelsea are a successful outfit and a successful club. So I see them getting back to that. So your opponents uh, this weekend, Gary, the World Eleven, the, the manager of them, Mauricio Pochettino, is he a good fit for Chelsea? I think so. I think so. I was speaking to the lads like um, back in the day at England when they obviously had him at Tottenham and they, they spoke very highly of him. So I think he is a good fit, yeah. Gary, it's great to speak to you. Uh, we shall watch how you guys do. Uh, no doubt you'll breeze through it as you, as you always did, mate. It always looked effortless for you, but you, you, you certainly didn't shirk anything when it came to the physicality side of it as well. So the appetite is still there, Mr Cahill, is it? No, thank you. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. I was actually looking forward, I'm looking forward to the session now. It's nice to get back out there and, and play a bit of football. So I'm, so I'm definitely looking forward to gracing Old Trafford again. It'll be, a, like I said before, a fantastic uh, occasion all around. Gary, thanks for joining us live on TalkSport this morning. Uh, and the game is live uh, on TalkSport on Sunday. You enjoyed your little chat with Gary Cahill there, didn't you? Simon Jordan, the interviewer, I like that. Well, no, I can't sit here. I'm, I was being encouraged by Luke to do something useful. So <laughs> I tried to do something useful. <laughs> he was very good. Uh, Gary Cahill goes in with uh, such uh, other luminaries as Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, Jack Wilshire, Jermaine Defoe, um, Jill Scott's in there, Karen Carney against a, a, a Soccer World Eleven team that boasts Ebra, Totti, Nanny, Batasuta, Crespo and the rest. It's live in TalkSport on Sunday. Looking forward to it. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. I want to bring this to your attention and to the attention of the listeners and to those who are watching this morning on YouTube and Facebook. And there are many. So no doubt you will talk about what we are about to talk about. And we are about to talk about Manchester United bringing back or maybe not bringing back Mason Greenwood. Now, in February, for those who don't know, the charges against Mason Greenwood of attempted rape, controlling and coercive behaviour and assault were dropped. The charges were discontinued due to the withdrawal of uh, key witnesses and new material, which meant there was no longer a realistic prospect of conviction. He was still suspended by United pending an internal investigation. Now, Manchester United are reportedly considering sending Mason Greenwood out on loan for the whole of next season. Is sending him on loan, Simon, just a way of them delaying their decision? Well, it's a way of giving um, the player an opportunity to play football um, and to take him out of the inevitable spotlight that's going to come. The tragedy for this boy is that this was played out all in the public domain before he was even given an opportunity to have any sort of anonymity, i.e. initially before you get yourself in a situation where you're charged with something, and then when you're charged, then anonymity falls away, right? Um, he was arrested and we, we all got to hear the audio of the circumstances in which some of the allegations were, were built around. And that's all fallen away. And we can all question the motivations of the reasons why it fell away and how we got ourselves into this situation. But we've got a boy that's put himself in the way of, I don't think, the greatest of behaviour, listening to those audio tapes. I also don't think the greatest of behaviour when he was away with England and Reykjavik. Um, but we've got a very talented football. And often in football, what happens is the talent supersedes the behaviour. And I've never been one that suggests that's right. But on the, And then you've, of course, got the delightful companies like Nike that will instantaneously run away from anything that vaguely looks like reputational damage whilst they sit there running sweatshops and are quite happy to have Alberto Salazar and the Oregon Project on their watch. There's so much hypocrisy in this world. But where this young man sits is now is that... He is no longer being charged, and that doesn't mean... I argued a while ago when we did when we covered this subject about the presumption of innocence. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the presumption of innocence is something that we should always have in, 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 in real terms, but the court of public opinion will make its own decisions about what they heard and what they know about this young man. So that puts him in the way of a variety of challenges. One of them is Manchester United's perception of its image around the world, and the other is what he's going to be subjected to by the very nature of what we know to be a very blunt and cruel, often a praisey of anything that football fans can get at to try and disadvantage a player. So from all of those factors in, in, in the play, I think it's a sensible move. It's not kicking the can down the road. It's a sensible move. United would have looked at all the facts. They would have done... They, when, when, they were, when he was initially brought into, into a situation where he was being charged and the CPS was building a case against him, I suspect United had a degree of information because obviously the boy was their player and over a period of time, uh, because of subjudice, they wouldn't have been able to get much more information. I suspect over the last 12 months, they've been ascertaining exactly the character of this young man, exactly the circumstances he finds himself in, and what the rehabilitation programme will be for him. Yeah, 
Yeah. Because whether we like it or we don't, or whether people have already presumed his innocence or guilt in equal measure, he has a right to go on with the rest of his life. He has a right to find some form of redemption in whatever opportunities exist for him. And the question is, what is the best way for him and what is the best way for Man United? It's a really difficult situation for Man United because we are constantly confronted and constantly having to consume this staple diet of people telling us what the optics of it are, of things are, rather than what the reality of how other people will perceive it, how other people will be offended on behalf of someone else when that person wasn't originally offended in the first place. And I'm not suggesting anyone that wasn't involved in this case wouldn't have been offended um, by the behaviour that was being alleged against no, no, Mason no, Greenwood. No. When, when you say the optics of it, the look of it, how <laughs> yeah. it looks, yeah, how absolutely. it looks. But I mean, well, that, look at, look at Nike. that's a given, isn't it? Look at Nike. Before they've even got the facts, they ran away. Boom! Instantaneously dropped him. Presuming, yeah, reputational damage. Ahead of reputational yeah, damage. Yeah, you know, yeah. when we got all these brands running around wanting to stick LGBT flags up, wanting to be associated with every single cause as soon as it benefits them, and yet they'll sell goods in countries that don't support LGBT rights. Sure, sure. hypocrites, a lot of them. Sure. So when so, they dump when they dump this kid, that's damaging for him. But he has also got to be accountable for his behaviour. But the point is, is what happens next? I think it's a sensible move to take him out and let him go so, and play. So if you were in the Manchester United boardroom, your hand would go up to, yeah, send him out on loan. My hand would go up to what is the best course of action for Manchester United with some degree of thought processes about there's a young boy that's been behaving in a way that probably isn't becoming, irrespective of whether he was guilt of the ultimate accusations or not. He's not behaved in a way that's becoming of a person that plays for Manchester United, which should be an ambassador because Manchester United is one of the biggest brands in world football and they are young men and they do get far too much money they do get carried away with their own importance and they do need to be brought in line and too often footballers have antisocial behaviour that they get away with because their talent allows it yeah I can see there's an argument to a degree of out of sight and out of mind but he, no, won't, but that won't, but he won't be he that won't, won't be because he'll just get as much media attention whatever if he's in Italy if he's in Spain yeah. or whatever as he would here but he's got to he's got to accept the fact that he's put himself in harm's way his behaviour to what extent, we don't know the length and breadth of it and how how the, how the accusations were made and how they were withdrawn. He must realise and will begin to realise that by playing football, he's going to come on the other side of an argument because he's a good player. And a good player will go on a pitch and hurt the opposition and the opposition's fans will do everything they can to distract him and detract from that performance. So he's going to get that coming to him. Um, and there are other players that have been in that situation where they've had the, the you know, we've had situation completely different crime and convicted of it but you had the player uh, Adam Johnson uh, that came back from his prison sentence for the accusations and, and the crime that he was committed and convicted of Mason Green has been convicted of nothing you had Chad Evans that people vilified people like Jessica Ennis Hill that vilified and wouldn't have anything to do with Sheffield United and yet he got cleared yet his career um, was damaged and oh, well, he got he got his, he got he got he got cleared after the event in terms of he put an appeal up and his appeal was upheld Mason Greenwood is going to have to go out build if he wants to be a professional footballer which I'm assuming he does I think going out and playing in another country, experiencing some of the vitriol and getting himself acclimatised to it and maybe not in his country where, he, where will provide him and provide him with the opportunity to come back and face what he's going to face at some point. Because football fans are unforgiving. They're going to tell him what they think of him, even if he's not guilty of anything. They're going to use it as a weapon to detract him or distract him from being a good footballer and against their sides. And what do you think? It, it's more than a yes or no, I know. But will he play for Manchester United again? I would doubt it. I would doubt it. If you send him out on loan and he plays, you're going to give yourself an opportunity to sell him. If you park him up for two or three years, you're going to have no commercial value in him and you're either going to let him go for free and subsequently someone will take a punt on the fact that he's for free um, 
or or he's going to wind down his contract on that basis and it will end up in the same place. So if you want to retain, I know this sounds very mercenary and it will go into the corporate governance and the elitist role of the governance of football that Russell Brown was alluding to yesterday, but football is a business. It is a business. And with that in mind, uh, Mason Greenwood is a product. He's a product, he's a human being, of course, but he's a commodity as well. He's a commodity for himself and he's a commodity for people that own his current registration. They've got an investment in him, yeah. and they've got a valuation of him, but Mason Greenwood, as the potent force that could have been a wonderful footballer for Manchester United, because no doubt the boy had the talent, I think that ship has sailed. So, in, in summary, Simon, his career isn't derailed, but it's, for all time it will be affected. It's derailed, for, but it, it's, it's lost its focus and it's lost its direction of travel. But it can be put back on its tracks inch by inch, yard by yard, and he's going to have to price into his thinking that he's going to have a difficult ride for a period of time. Yeah. Big decision for Manchester United to have to make regarding Mason Greenwood. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back on Monday. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.